without further ado, good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us uh, today. The guest is, our guest is Michael Meisner, the president and CEO of RFA Bank of Canada. And uh, Michael, thanks for taking the time to join us today. Oh, no, thank you very much for allowing me to uh, talk about our company and join you guys. So I appreciate the opportunity. Well, absolutely. And I'm looking forward to it, too, because maybe, maybe it's just me. Uh, but I mean, tell us what's happening with RFA today, because it, it sort of seemed like and maybe it's just the COVID experience. But there was the big booth and the big launch at uh, Mortgage Professionals Canada back in 2019. And things were rocking and rolling. And, and then. Like I say, maybe it's just because I'm not out in the world quite as much either, but it seems like things got a little bit quiet uh, in the spring and the summer. And where, Where's RFA at these days? What's happening? No, no, most most definitely. You know, we had a big splash at uh, at MPC and that was uh, that was a great opportunity for us to introduce ourselves uh, or reintroduce ourselves to the uh, to the community, the mortgage community. And. We, uh, you know, in October of uh, 2019, uh, the bank acquired uh, Street Capital Bank of, of Canada. And so, uh, you know, no one would have told me that when we acquired the bank in October of 2019, we'd have four months uh, with our staff to try to do integration and then we'd be 100% remote. But uh, that being said, uh, we, we spent uh, a lot of 2020 working on new programs and uh, integrating the bank into, uh, into the RFA uh, family of companies. So we have a unique platform uh, at RFA. We have two sister companies that really bifurcate how we uh, approach the mortgage market. So we have the RFA Mortgage Corporation, which started back in I guess it had a soft launch in 2017, but really became active in 18. And uh, that focuses primarily on the prime mortgage market uh, for uh, the uh, the mortgage brokers and agents. And, and then the bank, because uh, with the acquisition, we are a balance sheet lender. We focus predominantly in the single family market on the alternative mortgage side. We also do large uh, construction developments, so subdivisions and large condo projects, as well as commercial term and commercial uh, development uh, projects. But our whole goal with the bank was to diversify the income stream of the bank uh, from to to attack all areas of the of the Canadian mortgage market. So, so yeah, from commercial to residential and everything in between. Exactly, exactly. So uh, that's that's been our focus, obviously, getting those programs up and, and going. And the alternative program is, is our forte, uh, stays on balance sheet, which means we are the lender. We're not we're not reliant on other people uh, to uh, to buy the loan from us, uh, so to speak. So when we issue commitments, they are our commitments and our conditions and that. So uh, it's good to be a, a balance sheet lender uh, these days. So. Yeah, well, that, that's a really important point because a, a lot of the people who view these these conversations that I have uh, are brand new to the business and uh, they'll send a file off to lender X and to lender Y and they get a decline from X, they get a decline from Y, they get a decline from Z and they're wondering, like, how is this thing getting done? And then the client goes back to their credit union or their bank and suddenly it's approved. And 
they're not what they what they miss is that the three lenders they sent it to none of them were balance sheet lenders they're all relying on investors and maybe not one investor but multiple different groups of investors who have all these different criteria and uh, the balance sheet lender is a broker's best friend in a lot of cases because you're not beholden to somebody else's uh, rules you know you you can flex a little bit a little bit not not as much yeah. as you used to no that that that's true and and especially being a bank you know with with the types of regulation that we have from the federal uh, the federal level that uh, that creates some nuances but the good thing about it is is that we're able to modify the programs ourselves and we're not reliant on well how about if we did this you know how about and seeking permission so we can sit there and say based on the risk profile that we want within the portfolio, we can focus on that. And, and that's one thing that we've done throughout 2020 is uh, work with our broker network and say, what's working uh, in the alternative program? What's not? What would you like? And then we go back and try and figure out how we can accommodate some of these changes and uh, work within our uh, risk profile. Well, and, and you touch on something that I think a lot of brokers, uh, even brokers several years in the industry may or may not be aware of, which um, is that OSPI says to you, you tell us what your guidelines are going to be, and then you have to operate inside your guidelines that you said you were going to operate. It. That's so right. Really, it's like OSPI doesn't, the, the, the federal regulator doesn't come down and tell each and every bank, this is the TDS, this is the GDS, this is the LTV. They don't really make those rules. They allow you to make your own rules. If, if I'm not mistaken, that's how it's been explained to me. No, you're, you're, you're bang on. That's uh, what they do is, uh, uh, not that I like talking about the, the regulator a lot, but uh, they are principle based. And so by that being that way, you have room to operate within the spirit of what they're trying to accomplish and and so that gives that gives institutions like ourselves who are smaller a little a little more breadth than maybe some of the larger uh, conglomerates uh, so we can we can find our niche and and target that so uh, that's how we like to look at it so I think it really is an important piece to bring up because I, I think there's a lot of brokers and agents out there, again, who will lose a file uh, back to the client's, you know, original bank, for instance, and, and they, you know, they're in, in, in the online forum saying it's got to be fraud, there's no way this could get done. And what they're not understanding is that that lender, as part of their criteria, can say for clients who've been with us for 25 years, and never ever had an NSF, never ever missed a payment, and have a beacon score of this. We will go to a 55 GDS TDS on a 55% LTV or what? Like they can create those parameters and operate within them, and, and they, that's that's just the way it goes. No, it, you it, lenders. You're yeah. you're exactly right. You you as a as a balance sheet, uh, you set the profile and. And you do have nuances within your uh, policies that allow you to grant exceptions based on the profile of uh, the borrower, profile of the deal as well. So uh, you have some flexibility by, as, as opposed to say, and, and not being critical, the conduits have a, have a, a, a strong need in the market because they have a very, very large uh, 
access to capital. So that, uh, but their box has to be very tight uh, because they're offering it to uh, investors. So it uh, it makes it uh, challenging that way. Well, and, and to be fair to to the the mortgage finance companies operating in the A space with investors, I mean, like guys, think about it. Who are these people that are lending money out at one point three four, one point four four percent, and that's that's like the rack rate. So, what's the actual investor getting? 0.9, 0.8? Like, who are these people that want to lend billions of dollars at 0.8%? I mean, it's it's kind of incredible. And I remember hearing years ago that in Europe, it was at a point where now it feels like it's globally at the point where the majority of investors are not as concerned about a return on their capital as they are the return of their capital. Correct. Correct. It, it, I, I take the philosophy that when we when we lend money, and this is sort of the what I try to instill in my underwriters, my funders, and and fulfillment officers is is it's our money. We want our money back. The cost of the cost of doing business is interest, and that's the opportunity cost. But as a whole, we're lending our money. We want our money back ultimately. So capital is king, and that's sort of how you look at it. Is is if you can make a little rather than just have it sit in your mattress, uh, so to speak. Uh, if you're making uh, a little bit of a return, that's better than no return or just sitting on it. So that's, you know, in this spread environment today, it's really tight. Um, you know, I, several years ago, and I'm just showing my age, you know, we were talking uh, earlier and, you know, mortgage rates used to be in six and 7% range, uh, you know, 20 years ago and that, and, that's foreign concept for uh, for today's uh, borrower. So it's uh, yeah, nineteen ninety five seven point seven five percent, one hundred and sixty thousand dollar mortgage, and the payments were like fifteen hundred and change per month. Yeah, yeah. It was it, you know, today it'd be five hundred bucks a month. No, if if you had told me, um, you know, I would have seen prime mortgage rates in like. You know, one one seventy nine. Let's say one one fifty nine. Um, I would have said you're nuts. And and on the alternative side, at uh, you know two uh, two sixty nine to two ninety nine for like a a top tier alternative borrower, um, I I would have said you're nuts. But uh, you know, it's a reality today, and and the, that's what the institutions uh, like ourselves are are having to operate within now we fund ours with deposits so deposit rates are low so that uh, is the offset but uh, yes it's uh, it's strange times is it fair to say though that the alternative space has become significantly more attractive um, not to make a political statement at all but just simply the, the the rules that have come down from on high and all of the changes that have trickled down from the federalment uh, effectively have created a situation where alternative lending is really not that alternative. Like it's 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 the A lend it's it's really A minus clients, and in some cases it's A clients of 2010. Like they have yeah, great, think- they have income, they they have a business. It's been a going concern for 15. Like like it's a it's a it's an A deal, but somehow it's not anymore. Exactly right. It's 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 changed since the introduction of various uh, regulations and that. 
Um, it, it's not the days of ninja loans that you heard of, uh, and 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 uh, you know the the I guess the the four letter word or the bad word was subprime. You know these are not those. Alternative is is basically you know anywhere from just off prime to to uh, you know a, what we call a B deal was uh, probably an A deal ten years ago. You know like it's. Uh, it's not uh, it's not that uh, the risk profile is significantly different so well and to be fair though in canada i mean we never had ninja loans we didn't have a big sum market and and that was borne out the proof was in the pudding in 2008 2009 correct the only trouble our markets had was liquidity on the lender side i mean yeah our arrears rates didn't really move. I think they moved from zero point two nine to zero point four three. Well, I think, and I and I, and the advantage is is not to uh, like I lived through the liquidity crisis, and and I remember the day where uh, we looked and where'd all the money go, right? And and for for a few days you were like, where's the money? And then all of a sudden the onslaught came in to for safety and that. But uh, um, the advantage we have here was I think lenders as a whole were disciplined they followed their loan to value guidelines and and ultimately you have recourse here in in uh in uh, on your loans so um it, it that discipline never left the market which was which was good and which was a, a good insulator for us uh, we just had to deal with a liquidity crunch as opposed to a credit uh, crisis yeah yeah i mean Canadians, contrary to popular opinion, I remember a study. Um, it was such a great set of stats that was shared like ten years ago, and I don't think it's changed at all. And it was roughly eighty-three percent of Canadians believe their neighbor has borrowed too much money; they're in over their heads. <laughs> but seventy-seven uh, percent of Canadians are completely okay with the amount of debt they're carrying. And yeah. so it's like, you know, I'd, I'd say to a room of a couple hundred people. So basically, each one of you thinks the person sitting next to you is in over their head. And each one of you thinks you're OK. So we've, we've always had that, that sort of dynamic where, well, you know, I know everybody else is in trouble. I mean, I'm fine, but everybody else, they're overdoing it. Yeah. And, uh, and really, in Canada, none of us have really overdone it. I mean, none with an asterisk. The 0.43 percent. You know, it's a yeah. very minor. I no, and I and I think it's a testament to the mortgage broker uh, industry as a whole that the discipline that that you guys have, and I, I you know, I'm a, a strong proponent of supporting the the broker market because that's how we source our deals. We don't source our deals through. We don't have our own branches. We don't have our own platform that we allow uh, transactions to come in from the general public. We are highly reliant on our brokers and the network that we develop and those relationships and and we highly value those relationships uh, and that's why uh, it's so important that we have good communication uh, back and forth on on transactions so we worked very hard in 2020 to to set up the processes to help uh, you know we we have a philosophy that we're trying to grow our business but we're trying to provide the brokers and the agents with the options and the uh, the access to products that will allow you to grow your business. So it's not it's not a, a, a I win you lose. It's 
how do we grow mutually and 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 focus predominantly on that that's why when we look at our philosophy for our lending and our relationships is we look at we try to provide the best rate uh in the market we we work on best comp that we can that we can provide superior customer service because we're small we have to differentiate ourselves from the from the bigger boys and that's where we focus on on that and you know in 2021 we're coming out with a insider uh program which is our rewards program for our top tier uh brokers and we want to it it's not it it's we we look at it that how do we grow our uh smaller brokers into our top tier brokers and and that's the way we follow our philosophy is is if you're with us we figure out how we can work together and work deals together and make sure that we satisfy your uh, your needs and the agent's needs and and ultimately the borrower because the borrower is 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 a customer as well and and that's sort of our philosophy so well, ultimately, I, I know uh, I, I think I can speak for a great number of brokers when I say, you know, comp is nice, comp matters, but you could pay an extra 10, 20, 30 basis points. That's not why we're going to bring you business. And it, it, it's just not. And rate is absolutely important. It's, it's very important. Uh, you can't be 10, 20, 30 beeps off on the rate. But if you're, you know, two, three, four, five, 10 beeps off on the rate, that also isn't uh, insurmountable, but what is insurmountable is service. And uh, over and over, I hear it all the time from brokers. So who do you deal with the most? And they'll say ABC lender. And I'll say, and is it because of the amazing comp? No. You know, what, what, what does it really boil down to? Do they, do they always have the best rate? No. What does it really boil down to? My underwriter is amazing. Yeah. And uh you know, we were we were chatting just before we came online here about like what's the sales strategy approach because you can't take brokers golfing you can't buy them dinner you know you can't buy them a drink uh, at a conference what's what's the strategy and as we've been speaking and, and this we got to this i was thinking boy if if every lender took all of that overflow budget they had from all the golf tournaments they didn't have to go to last year and just um either a i'll i'll, I'll say something on behalf of the underwriters paid the underwriters a little more money uh, or B, hired some more underwriters and some more docs fulfillment people. That I think is probably the story for 2021. We're not going to be able to get together and max out your expense account, Michael. So, <laughs> so yeah, bring in another underwriter, right? I, like I think every lender struggles with that. And, and I'll, I'll let you respond to this piece because I know the struggle is always much like a broker's. So brokers just came off an incredible 2020, amazing volume. But is it all going to end? Like, is it just going to stop? Like, should I hire an underwriter? Should I hire an associate? Should I should I take a little bit bigger office space? Like, because what if it all stops? And that's how brokers think. And what a lot of brokers don't realize, that's how lenders think too. We sh Should we hire a whole bunch more underwriters? Because what if everything stops? But... How do you how do you balance that out? No, it's a it's a very good point, uh, Dustin, because we've spent 2020 looking at, you know, how do we integrate an existing bank and how do we right size it? How do we create efficiency? And and I look at it that we create efficiency and we create proper 
uh, service levels through uh, several methods. Uh, one is how do we use our technology better? So we've been investing in technology to try and, and look at how do can we make things more efficient, either through the ingestion of, of transactions or through the uh, underwriting and the screening of documents and, and that. So we make investments there. For us, we look at it and we've made a conscious effort that because we want to be uh, a strong uh, customer service shop and, and customer centric is our focus uh we've we've looked at it and said you know if we have an extra underwriter no problem the advantage that we have it at rfa is is we have two platforms and we separate the platforms uh so there's dedicated uh, underwriters for prime transactions and then there's dedicated team in the bank for for that so we've looked at that and and we've staffed up on both sides because we have tremendous expectations for for 2021 we're looking at probably a, a, a billion dollars worth of growth of originations on the mortgage corporation side from one and a half billion to two and a half billion and on the uh, single family alternative side at the bank we did 300 through doing a, a, a pilot program and an official launch in july of 2020 so really we were only in the market on the alternative side for about five months uh, in reality, and and you know, it takes time to build the uh, um, the confidence of the broker network up to that. Oh, are these guys for real? Are they really there? And and we gradually increased our volumes, and we staffed up. We've we've got the ability now to do somewhere between 700 and 800 with the existing staff that we have, and uh, that's uh, that's the important part of uh, of of being able to focus on the on the customer and and the customer being you guys being the brokers and the agents as well as the as the borrower so that's you know that's what we've looked at and and we're we're really optimistic well it certainly sounds like uh, you are primed for for a, a rock in 2021 and and that i think is most of our predictions so if you why don't we wrap it up with a couple of predictions? I've had a, a couple questions here around uh, where we where we see fixed rates and variable rates going. Whether the Bank of Canada is going to stick to their word and hold uh, Prime steady. It's a little bit of crystal ball type stuff here, but I, I mean personally, I think 2021 is going to be an exceedingly busy year. And personally, I don't. I certainly don't see any change to Prime because even though the real estate market might be on fire and in theory, some people might think they would raise rates to calm the housing market. That is way too big a tool. You know, the, the, the actual prime overnight lending rate is way too big a tool to try and tweak housing. And we've seen it in the past. They just come out with new rules instead of interest rate adjustments. But, but what do you, what do you think? What do you, what do you foresee for 2021? So, so, so the only thing I've been consistently wrong about in my entire career is interest rates. So, perfect. <laughs> but we'll just do the opposite. Go ahead. <laughs> so, so uh, I definitely, be, I definitely believe that um, the Bank of Canada is not is going to honor its word, and and there's not going to be fluctuations in the uh, in the prime rate. I and I and I think in that that lends stability to the bond market, which then drives uh, the uh, the fixed rate uh, component of interest rates for for mortgages. So I, I see this low rate uh, interest uh, uh, market for mortgages. 
lasting for at least 2021. I we even think that it, it may even go into uh, the first uh, uh, you know half of 2022, just given what we're seeing uh, with uh, the rollout of vaccines and the impact that uh, that the pandemic is having in uh, in the in the country as a whole. That being said, I think the market itself is really going to be driven by refinances uh, this year, and and that we're we're really focused on uh, both at the bank and at the mortgage corporation to figure out how do we create the funding sources for uh, for our networks to uh, to do that, and and we're bullish. Like the bank is a lender, basically from Ontario West, so uh, we focus our alternative program Ontario West. Uh, the mortgage corporation is across Canada, except for uh, Quebec. Except, I will say to you, we are investigating Quebec. Uh, so, if uh, if there are any agents that are on the call that are that are in that part of the country, we're definitely looking at it. It just takes time because of the uh, the sort of the environment. But I think that's where I think interest rates are here. Low interest rates and low interest rates on both the prime side and the alternative side. Are here for uh, for a while. I don't see rates moving. Yeah, no, I I, I concur. Um, one other question here: uh, Is RFA going to be offering a secured line of credit product anytime soon? Um, so I will say it's on our radar. Um, it's it's probably not in 2021. Uh, I will I will say that, uh, but it is uh, in our strategic plan. I will say that. So. Fair enough. And so for anyone who's interested in uh, connecting with like an RFA BDM, is there one specific site they should go to? Yeah, so really uh, you go to rfa.ca and uh, click on uh, connect and it will uh, uh, contact us and that will then allow you to communicate through either our customer service or there's a tab uh, for the sales team and that will get you right into the rvps that are for and we've got our rp rvps across the country so we're uh, we're focused definitely on continuing to diversify the portfolio geographically so we've got a big push for uh, western canada right now perfect well i, I dropped the uh, rfa.ca into the chat box there as well and uh michael i can't thank you enough i, I didn't really have half of what we talked about. Probably 80% of what we talked about was unscripted, but uh, really enjoyed the conversation. No, I, I appreciate it, Dustin, and, and definitely uh, please, uh, we very much appreciate the support from uh, yourself and from your brokers and uh, definitely look forward to an amazing and awesome uh, 2021 and, and building, uh, building our relationships with uh, you guys. Well, we'll get through this tough stretch uh, as of January 14th, uh, 2021. We'll, we'll, we'll get through the tough stretch and it's, hey, I mean, it's, there's, there's brighter days ahead. There's brighter days ahead. Uh, no, I, I firmly believe that as well. So I wish, you, I wish you guys and your network all the best for uh, 2021. You as well. You as well. Have a great one. Thank you. Thanks very much. Bye, Dustin. Thanks, everybody. See you on Monday.